Buddy, your pal, ouch, back again with what you've been playing the video game review show here on the Ouchcast. Hit that music, please. Speaking honestly, I would say that open world games are probably my favorite genre, or at least my favorite game feature or adjective. Exploring a giant region filled with notable characters and locations, going through every nook and cranny to find a really good weapon or a secret easter egg of the developers dressed as cavemen or whatever. It's that thing where you know the game is going to be a time sink, but you're excited by the prospect of the said time sink. One of my favorites is the Far Cry franchise. This open-world first-person shooter has always had great single-player gunplay with enough fun and different X-Factors to make each game at least worth a look. So let's take a look at the newest game in the series, Far Cry 6. Does it stand out amongst previous insanity, or is it only another island game? Far Cry 6 stars Dani, an up-and-coming guerrilla making waves of revolution in the small tropical island of Yara, led under the despotic regime of Anton Castillo. It's your basic clear three lands of oppression rule, which Far Cry has basically run into the ground at this point. Nothing wrong with it, but variety helps. You'll run through story and side missions, clear military bases and checkpoints, and discover a variety of weapons, clothing pieces, and upgrade materials to help lead Libertad to victory. I swear, that should be all of the accents on words. I think. On a sound and picture level, it's... fine. The tropical islands are lush and exquisite. You have everything from big cities covered in propaganda to alligator farms where the inmates run the asylum. You get the idea. But it is that thing where, out of all the games in the series, this is the fifth time you've been on a tropical island. It's not copy and pasting, but you can only bring in so many things and assets before it just gets to a postmodern statement on video game settings. Sound kinda has the same issue, where the hip-hop in another language matches the setting, but it's not like it's a game-changer. It's there because it would be a long, awkward car ride from mission to mission. But when it comes to the technical aspect, this hits the ground hard and takes out a big chunk of the fun of the experience. I have been playing on the PlayStation 4 and I have been having so many issues. It's kind of ridiculous. The load times lean towards atrocious, especially when it's in between every fast travel and respawn. It's so much time, you can actually pour your own drink to it. Then, there are the issues with the game not getting enough time to draw in the backgrounds. So it won't quite freeze up, 
but it will literally stop you from doing anything so it can catch back up. This is especially prevalent in vehicle travel, mostly in cars and planes, the smaller stuff doesn't bother it too much. But this becomes a major issue when the climax mission to an area forces you into a plane to do a task, so you have to sit in fear, hoping you can control the plane again at some point in time, so you don't have to restart the system. I mean, hell, I've had the game crash on me because I hit the pause button. Yeah, the pause button. There are little factors, but to think that a AAA game like this can't handle bring up the map stands reason that one would say, what the f This has probably been the closest experience to going to the next generation of consoles for me. It's like when you hit 33 and you just have these constant aches and pains in your body Emotionally, you're just all over the place, but without a real sense of the hierarchy of needs completion. So you end up just saying to yourself, you know what would probably fix this? A PlayStation 5. So the tech crunch is a little iffy to deal with. Thankfully, the gameplay still brings a fun experience to the table. Games like Far Cry fall into a description of what I like to call creative chaos letting you play however you want to. Sure, you can easily find a sniper's post and take everything out quietly, but haven't you ever wondered, what would happen if I shot at that group of chemical spraying guards with this homemade fireworks launcher? There are a couple of levels to your weaponry, starting with your regular vanilla guns. There's nothing too special here, but the game makes a big push on customization of these weapons, different ammo, different special effects like faster reloads, etc. All that is available with the right amount of crafting materials. Then you have your unique weapons, found in alligator treasure chests all over Yara. These usually have their own little special setup that you can't change or mod, and be themed to where you found it. Like the shotgun found at the data center will be themed like it's techie or something like that. Then, you have your Resolver weapons. These are the big, outlandish weapons that are probably impossible to make and cost you depleted uranium. Things like flamethrowers, harpoon guns, CD launchers, and buffoonery like that. Finally, you have your Supremo, a backpack-style super weapon that charges up over time like an ultimate move because that's a new thing they haven't done yet. This can be changed between being super weapons or just giving you major buffs, depending on what the situation calls for. Your weapons tend to be what makes the game fun, but there are additional little touches for a bit more polish. The sidekick system is back, called Amigos, and feature only animals this time around. While not having someone who can hold a gun is kind of a step back. It all makes up for it with Chorizo, a paraplegic wiener dog who can pretty much melt anyone's icy heart. But for the most part, you are exploring the island, looking for missions, and clearing any kind of collectible on the map. 
The main ones are the crates each side seem to have a surplus of. The regime crates usually have crafting materials or unlock a new basic gun for use, while the revolution crates will offer new pieces of gear, each with a unique skill. Things like better defense against fire or finding more loot. Honestly, it's kinda like Open World 101, but if you play it right, you can really throw off balance pretty easily. I think within the first five hours, I already had a tank collected and ready in my garage for practically the rest of the game. When it comes to open worlds like this, you can assume the main story is going to take up the bulk of your time, which is pretty much true in this scenario. I believe the first main section took me around 10 hours to get through, though I didn't comb for every collectible or dude every minuscule challenge. It's a weird hang-up I have, as much as I like to explore, there's a point where it can become too much and too big, especially when you can see the entire map right from the beginning, just gasping at everything you have to do. Now, there is an online co-op thing, but I really didn't pay any attention to it and it seemed completely optional. They also took away the arcade and level creator mode they had from the previous game, which may have had a following, but it never really got the attention of the masses. So honestly, if you're looking for something extra after the main game, you might have to shrug your shoulders on that one. Now, the main criticism of this series gets a lot of heat because here they are in the seventh release counting the caveman and the post-apocalypse releases. And what do they do? You're on an island taking out bad guys, shooting guns. I think a lot of it has to do with personality type. For me, I like this kind of stuff. Come on in, chaos and havoc ensues, leave. For the credit it doesn't give to the gameplay, it does give it to the story and acting. For your information, the game stars Giancarlo Esposito as Anton Castillo, which is fine, not commenting on him as an actor or anything, but A, you barely see him going through the main island. I know I had to skip some early cutscenes and I missed a big chunk of exposition, but honestly, I've had maybe two or three major scenes with him, and honestly, each time there were hours between each moment. And B, I kinda preferred the silent protagonist, like in Far Cry 5, with the antagonist speaking directly to you. I just find that setup a little more immersive than just watching a movie. Overall, I am enjoying Far Cry 6, but I have to fully admit, I kinda like Far Cry 5 a little more. There's nothing wrong with the gameplay, especially with so much focus on having it your way, but the only thing missing, aside from the fact it tends to be close to unplayable on PlayStation 4, is the character that the entire game had. The fact that Far Cry 5 only dealt with a single county and not an entire country, and that one county was loaded with notable landmarks and characters, 
and not just a lot of palm trees, kinda gave that game an entirely different vibe. Honestly, Far Cry 6 does kinda have that sixth verse, same as the first kinda feeling. It's getting close to the lines of a Dynasty Warriors definition to it. If you bought the game, you know exactly what you're getting into. It's not quite a recommendation, but if it's at a really cheap sale price and maybe after some patches and whatnot, there might be something there for you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of The Ouchcast. Do you want to help a podcaster out? First, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JustOuch, capital J-U-S-T, capital A-E-W-C-H. Then, leave a five-star review on Spotify. It's new for them, give it a try. And if you feel so inclined, consider a monthly reoccurring donation. Just go to anchor.fm slash ouch and click support this podcast. Choose from three levels and donate what you feel is right. You can even leave a voice message for me to hear, and you might even hear it on a future episode. Until next time, this was your buddy and your pal Ouch, saying thanks for listening, and you'll hear from me soon. Bye bye everyone.